Welcome to episode 117 of the Fertility Podcast. I'm Natalie, your host, and if this is your first listen, come on in. There's a load of episodes for you to check out if you found me on Apple Podcasts or maybe Stitcher, Spreaker, Acast or via thefertilitypodcast.com. A bit about me. Well, I had treatments in 2014, successful fertility treatment and have a background in broadcasting and decided to start speaking to the people that had helped me along the way. So this podcast speaks to experts around the world, fertility experts, as well as people sharing their stories. And I try to cover all the different aspects of your fertility journey, whether you are in a heterosexual relationship, a same-sex relationship, or maybe you are on your own, but you're thinking about how to have a family. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking about alternative parenting, speaking to the co-founder of a UK-based membership site that helps bring people together. So as always, if you're uh, relaxing, grab a cup. If you're on the move, plug yourself in. I'll give you all the details at the end and I hope you find this interesting. So now I'm going to welcome Erica Tranfield, who's the director and co-founder of Pride Angel, which is a membership site helping single lesbian and gay couples have families. Uh, it offers a whole array of services that I want Erica to talk more about. So first of all, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Natalie. Erica and I are speaking at the start of 2018. It's a pretty exciting time for Erica, um, which she will explain more about but let's let's start talking a bit about you and, and your background and how you came to be involved with with setting up Pride Angel. Uh, back in around 2008 my partner and I decided that we were going to have a, a child together. Um, being a, a female couple um, we knew that we needed the assistance of a sperm donor. When we had a look around at the options available I think what was the most important um, what was the most important aspect for us was that our child had the ability to know where they came from. Um, so we very much wanted to use a known donor. When we had a look at the options, the fertility clinics um, and the sperm banks weren't sort of an option that we thought um, we would like to go ahead with only because um, we wouldn't have the ability to meet that donor beforehand. So we very much wanted to be able to meet them face to face. We also wanted the ability for uh, the donor to have ongoing contact with our child because we thought that the more love for a child, then the, the better the situation for them. Uh, when we had a look at the, uh, the websites online, um, we found that there, were, there weren't many options available. And there were some websites whereby men were offering natural insemination and we thought that was uh, very wrong. 2009, we created Pride Angel. And really, it stems from there that we've been able to um, help other people. But ultimately, we've also been able to um, help ourselves as well. So four years ago, we started to look for a donor. And recently, in November, I gave birth to a baby daughter, Eva Rose. So now I'm a, a very tired uh, mum at the moment and enjoying parenthood. Well, let's talk about what you've created to meet your criteria and how it's working for people because there's so many different areas on the site and I'm fascinated as to the different workings and how if somebody was looking to find a donor, how they'd go about it. The basic fundamentals of the website are a little bit like um, a dating website. So you would go on, you would register, and you would create a profile, and then you would look for others that would be uh, matching your criteria. So, for example, I would 
create my profile i would put an image on the which makes it more um more likely that somebody realizes that it's a real person at the end of that profile and then i would have a look for a donor with some basic criteria now i always say that the basic criteria would be something along the lines of looking for eye color that's similar to your partner and yourselves um maybe her color might be important and maybe something like location so these are all things that you would look for in a donor. When you find a donor, you use an internal messaging system through Pride Angel. So you're not giving out any personal details until you're happy to do so. When you've given the personal details, then you would arrange to meet up face to face. So it's all about known donors. You will actually meet them. And as far as like the regulatory side of all of this, how does that work? Well, before we set up the website, we contacted the HFEA. We told them we would like to be regulated, but unfortunately we cannot because we are an online connection service and not a fertility clinic. But we told them of our intent and we told them we had the the best intent for our members, both the recipients and the donors. And since then, I have become or I was on the um the HFEA National Donation Strategy Group, which meant that we were looking to help them for the first time ever. They've accepted help from a service such as ourselves to try and help them find more donors and raise awareness and look after donors better um, that are going through the fertility clinic option route. Because, I mean, that's going to be my next question as far as how the donors work, because from my understanding, in the UK, we have banks of egg and sperm donors is that correct so are you connected then to the banks or are these individuals on your site no i would i would say um very loosely they are disconnected um a donor can choose to go to a, a fertility clinic or a bank whereby they will donate um, to a regulated clinic whereas we are the online connection service now of course a, a donor can do both um, there is nothing to stop them from going to um, both sort of environments. I think that more donors are actually um, looking and favouring the likes of an online connection service because they get to choose. And I think that quite often people forget and they, you could say quite selfishly, we're, we're looking for the best genetics to, to have our child. And of course, that's very natural. When you can't have that those genetics from your partner, which would be an ideal situation, um, we're, but we're environmentally challenged, we, we physically don't have the sperm between us, then you want the, the best genetics. But I think that sometimes it gets lost that the donor should also have a choice and why shouldn't they choose who they donate to and have the ability to choose whether or not they wish to stay in contact with the, with the child and the recipients. Because just to explain to me, I thought the guidelines had changed in the UK about donors being anonymous until the child was 18 is that still the case that's absolutely correct right but what we're we're more interested in saying okay you can of course meet this wonderful donor um, when the child is 18 but this is a complete stranger wouldn't it be nicer that you've actually met them beforehand you understand the personality of the donor because ultimately 50 percent of the genetics of your child are going to come from this donor so wouldn't it be nicer to actually meet them before, but again, for the donor to be able to choose a recipient and also decide at that point if you're going to keep in contact or not. Mm. You may just store the details for when your child asks at a later date. 
And what kind of feedback have you had from people developing these kind of relationships? On the whole, it's been quite positive. I would say, unfortunately, we don't get enough feedback. So normally when people have their, their endpoint goal, they, they become pregnant. We get very little feedback after that because they, they do concentrate on this on the on the pregnancy, which is absolutely normal. But when we do meet people at conferences, a lot of people have had some very positive stories. It's good to know. And we encourage anybody listening, if they've used your service, to, to give feedback because it's, it's, it's that kind of word of mouth, ultimately, that helps other people understand, isn't it? Absolutely. The more feedback we can get, the better. And even constructive criticism, if, if there's ever an area in which people would say, actually, we think this would work better, we are quite reactive. So we will change the website and, and look to make it better for people dependent upon feedback from our members. So it is a membership site, as we've said, and do people kind of sign up on a monthly basis or is it an annual thing? How does it work? It's free to register. The reason why we wanted to do that was because I always said from the very beginning, I never wanted to make money from the people in need. Mm. But the problem that we have is if it was totally free, we would have people abusing the website and not on there for the right reasons. So the registration is free, which then allows uh, members to actually look and browse profiles and their respective images. If you want to contact a donor, it costs like around £30 for 20 messages, or we do have a monthly option, which is £35, which will give the member around 100 messages per month. But that, that messaging system is really there to, to stop the to stop people that are not legitimate, stop people that are not on it for the right reasons. Now, all donors, egg and sperm donors, all receive a, a small amount of free message credits each month. We don't think that they should have to pay for the message credits. Um, so we allow them to have these um, messages to allow them to respond back to recipients. But we do limit it. We, we don't make it a um, an open system whereby they can have unlimited. And again, that's so they will selectively choose who they wish to respond to as well. So it's trying to make people more um, more intentful and, and, and looking at specifically what they want for their requirements rather than just contacting and carpet bombing everybody on the website. So if someone's listening and they're thinking about becoming a donor, because from what I understand uh, from our egg donor programs in the UK, it's an altruistic process but from sperm donation am I right in saying that there is a uh, there is a kind of payment element to it is that correct no they're both altruistic are they yes so we should we always recommend that people that want to donate will donate for altruistic reasons in terms of payment nobody should ever ask for a set amount of payment nevertheless it is reasonable to cover expenses yeah so for example if i found a a sperm donor in london and i lived in the northwest of england it would be reasonable for me to pay for his train up here to put him up in accommodation overnight and to maybe pay for his meal to make sure that he's not out of pocket but if he were to request a 500 pound payment for coming up or a 500 pound payment for a pot of sperm that is absolutely not acceptable so have your wits about you basically when you're having these discussions yes do a lot of reading we've created the website so there is a lot of information on there and it's important that people make their own informed decisions a lot of circumstances are different um, we very much wanted a known donor who would keep in contact with our child we also wanted for his family to know our daughter as well 
So we wanted something quite different and it took us a long time to find our donor, but we did a lot of research. And it's also important for our members to do the same as well. Find out what they want, talk together between themselves or, or talk to your friend, friends and find out what you think would be um, of interest for yourself, how you see yourself bringing up the child and ultimately be safe. And there is a whole community aspect to Pride Angel if people don't have people they can talk to, that they can ask questions within the site, isn't there? This is a new area on the website now. We have the ability to have people um, in our families area whereby they can actually talk and communicate to each other. It's a closed uh, forum whereby um, you have a, a membership to the forum whereby you can actually talk to one another. Okay, because there's different areas, a health screening area. Is that for the potential donor or is that for the intended parent or both? Now we're going to take a quick break just here for me to explain in case you thought you heard some baby noises. Erica, as she said at the start of our chat, has a very new baby and she needed to breastfeed her baby and I wanted us to carry on with the interview. So I just wanted to let you know, in case you're listening to this and the idea of hearing a baby breastfeeding might be uncomfortable to you because I know we're all at different stages on our journeys. So I have actually tried as much as I could to edit out little Eva Rose's suckling noises, but you can hear her. So just so you know, all right, that you will be hearing baby noises. Now, before we rejoin Erica, I just want to tell you a little bit about my sponsors who make this podcast possible. The Fertility Podcast is supported by OvuSense. If you're trying to monitor your cycle and finding it overwhelming, OvuSense is the only ovulation monitor on the market that is a class two medical device. It has a vaginal sensor and app and fits like a tampon, so it's really easy to use and comfortable to wear. Now you use it at night while you sleep and then in the morning, you simply remove, wash it and download your data to see your cycle pattern. Now OvuSense has proven comfortable for women in over 10,000 cycles of use and can predict ovulation up to a day in advance and can confirm it with 99% accuracy. To find out more, visit ovisense.com. The Fertility Podcast is also supported by IVF Matters, the UK's first online fertility clinic where you can order tests delivered to your door, have scans at multiple locations and speak to consultants in the comfort of your own home. It's a truly unique way to experience your fertility journey and you can find out more at ivfmatters.co.uk or call 0333-939951. So the health screening is a part of their profile, the, the donor and the recipient would complete. Right. Yes, so that, that area is a part of everybody's profile. They have the ability to complete the health questionnaire. And now, obviously, this is something that's not professionally filled in. This is filled in by the individual. So you are reliant upon somebody honestly completing the question. But this is another part of the website whereby when you meet a donor or a recipient, you are ultimately getting to know that person. And I think a, a large trust element comes into this as well. Now, there's a section about fertility law, and we talked a little bit about the issues around um, anonymity of a donor. Um, is, is it fair to say that that's a place that people can go and kind of tick all the boxes, find out everything they need, make sure that there's no issues? Because is it predominantly donors we're talking about with your site or do you have the connection with surrogates as well? Surrogates is a little bit more difficult. Yeah. Uh, you cannot advertise in the UK for surrogates. There are obviously websites such as um, COPS and Brilliant Beginnings, which do some fantastic work. On Pride Angel, you are able to look for a donor. 
so you can look for an, an egg donor. But actually being able to, to search for one is not something that we have available on the website. For the legal section, we have on the website's experts, whereby you're able to ask the experts questions. We have a lot of information on the legal side on the website. I think the most important area for people to consider in the legal aspect is whether or not you'd be looking to take your known donor and go through a fertility clinic or opt for home insemination. Now, the going through the fertility clinic route with your known donor is obviously the safest route and a route in which we are very um, positive about. We think that this is the best option for people people safely to go through obviously you do have the ability to go for home insemination now I can tell you that we went through home insemination because we wanted it to be a very personable arrangement I wanted for my partner to be putting the sperm there and for the whole process to to be a wonderful process in the in our own home um, rather than going to a fertility clinic where I felt it for us it would be quite clinical sure but that obviously then has risks associated. It means that you have to get to know the donor. You have to trust the donor and you should also have the sexually transmitted disease testing performed beforehand. So what we did was our donor actually went to a, a gum clinic and then he um, messaged over the results from the gum clinic. So we knew that in terms of sexually transmitted diseases, he was uh, free for those. Uh, he told us he was not in a relationship or sexually active at the time. Uh, so I think, again, although you have the, the sexually transmitted disease test performed, a big element is, is a part of getting to know the donor and getting to trust them. Okay. Am I fair to say that these kind of, this almost like a checklist is, is prominent on the site when people are going through the steps around working with their donor because you've got so much information we do have checklists um, we have information on the website to again it comes back to that informed decision giving people the information for them to make their informed decision as to what is important for them now you've got a research area and i was reading through some of the research and i was interested about one of the latest articles talking about online sperm donors and the impact of family friends and personality and the risk perception and it talked about how informal sperm donation as we've been talking about is becoming more prevalent worldwide and obviously sites like yours are enabling for this to happen what are the implications of it would you say I mean hopefully more people are able to become parents is there any negative I mean how is it helping perception of, of, of people using donors so I think that the reason why there is a cultural shift towards people using known donors I think is ultimately because there are um, some in some areas shortages of donors I think in some cases um, it is because of the change to the anonymity law in the UK so it means that you cannot be anonymous whereas a lot of men would go along and, and donate anonymously they realize that now at the age of 18 the child will have um, information and have the ability to connect with them um, out of the blue so that a lot of people are thinking well wouldn't it be better to have that up front and understand and know a little bit about the family in which the child will be brought into um, but I think that in some cases um, people are looking to have um, the ability to have an uncle figure type for the child and to be able to connect with the donor and especially if it's a single person a single woman going into this it does give that that other person it does but for single women they have to be a little bit more careful because of the law so i would never recommend for a single woman to use a a sperm donor or a known donor and go for home insemination yeah. 
reason being is legally then he would be considered a potential parent. So she would have to take him through the fertility clinic whereby you can um, prove that there is an intent to use him as a donor. Whereas if you use him for a um, home insemination, you cannot prove that you um, didn't have a relationship with that person. And therefore, in the eyes of the law, you do need uh, two people on a, a birth certificate. And that would be considered um, a big no-no for a single person. Okay, a very important tip there. I am going to put all the links to your sites on the show notes so people can reference all the different things that we've talked about. And as we were talking about kind of perceptions of donors and what have you, I'm, I'm interested in you've been advertising about a production company who are looking to make a series about well, actually co-parenting. So it's not necessarily it's not focused on the donors, but it's looking at the different ways in which people are becoming parents. That's right. Just talk to me a bit about this shift and also, I suppose, society's perception of this shift. I think a lot of people have um, we've they've gone through life and they They've um, focused on their career and possibly not got a partner. And then in the later life, they've actually thought, I, I like the idea of having a child, but I'm not quite ready to have a partner. Or some people um, have no in idea or no, no desire to actually meet somebody just yet, but they have a very strong desire to have a child. And co-parenting is a, it's, it's relatively new, I would say, but it has been going, it's relatively new in the, in the eyes of media. Um, but it has been ongoing for quite some time. And I think the more we can raise awareness that co-parenting is a very valid option for bringing up a child because you actually focus um, everything on bringing up a child together rather than a relationship um, or a, a, an attraction relationship between the, the male and female. It can be successful with um, heterosexuals and lesbian and gay couples. It's open for everybody. And at the time of talking, I think the kind of call for people to take part has passed. So we have to kind of watch this space as to when, if you're in the UK, you're going to be able to uh, to get to see the programme. But there is currently on your site another production company who are, and do tell me if this isn't current, are looking to follow people wishing to conceive via non-anonymous non sperm donation. Is that still running? Yes. So that, in fact, the co-parenting, we are still looking for people that are co-parenting okay. with the production company. It would be anybody that has um, gone through uh, a co-parenting arrangement or they are at the early stages of looking for a co-parent. Or possibly they've found a co-parent and they're um, just at the early stages of getting to know and understand um, each other. Okay. So if somebody if somebody is interested in contacting us, uh, that would be wonderful if they could um, go through on one of the links or contact us on info at prideangel.com. Uh, the, the second uh, production company are looking for, um, yes, they're looking for known donors again to look at... Um, yeah, to look at somebody going through the process uh, of, of using something like Pride Angel uh, from the beginning through to the end. And also looking for men willing to talk about the, the donation of sperm. Absolutely, yes. We've just had some wonderful feedback from a couple of donors that we've just put on our testimonials on the website. They, they've had such a wonderful experience that they've uh, wanted to provide a little bit more information about the process to raise awareness to other donors because sometimes when they come into um, the, the world of donation and they, they 
have this idea that they'd like to help somebody, they um, they don't understand the process. So it's nice to get a little bit of information from other donors who've um, whom have successfully donated already. Definitely. Well, we'll put all the links, like we've said, to contacting you if people are interested in getting involved from the media perspective, but also to the site. I think it's brilliant that there is starting to be more of these types of programs to break the taboo and to raise awareness and hopefully to put sites like Pride Angel, you know, more to the forefront of people seeking out this alternative parenting. So keep up the good work. Thank you ever so much. And it's been lovely chatting to you, Erica. Thank you very much. And Eva Rose is very happy now. And, and thank you for uh, for being patient with us. That's, that's absolutely fine. The little sucking noises were quite endearing. <laughs> lovely to chat. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Right then, the show notes for this episode are thefertilitypodcast.com forward slash Erica. Do go and have a look. And whilst you are at thefertilitypodcast.com, you can sign up for my newsletter, which will keep you updated on new episodes coming up as well as other things going on with me. I also have a new closed Facebook group, which if you go and just search for Talk Fertility in Facebook, and we're starting to have lots more chats about things that have been discussed in this podcast or just talking about where you're at. And I'm starting to invite experts into the chats to give their advice. And I'd just be keen to see if it's something of interest to you. So go and have a look and, and get in touch and we can we can talk more. One final thing. If you've enjoyed what you've heard and you haven't subscribed to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, please do go and subscribe, rate and review it because it means I can continue to make content to help you and other people like you who maybe are feeling a bit lost and are fed up of reading stuff online and want mind listening to something. So the more reviews this podcast has, the more people will find it in Apple Podcasts. So that would be amazing. As always, thank you for your ongoing support. And until the next time, 